Where are we? It's we're at the age. forums for healthcare. We're no, the we're healthcare at the Marketing and Physician Strategy Summit. Very good. Sponsored by the Forum for Healthcare Strategists in Salt Lake City. Do you want me to do that part? Won't you do that part? <laughs>Physician and Marketing Strategy Summit, sponsored by the Forum for Healthcare Strategists here in the wonderful city of Salt Lake City. That's really city of Salt Lake. The city of Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, We've got several guests here today, so we're going to let everybody kind of introduce themselves. Uh, Dan, why don't we start with you? We'll make our way around. Sure. Thanks, Reed. I'm Dan Dunlop. I'm a, a commoner. I'm a healthcare marketer, <laughs> especially in this esteemed group. You know, I'm, I'm just a common folk. But um, I'm a healthcare marketer, and I am a principal of the firm Jennings in North Carolina. Great. Awesome. Great. I'm Travis Moore. I'm the senior vice president of market solutions at a company based out of Boston called Kairos. Very nice. good. I'm J.K. Lloyd. I'm the president and co-founder of Eruptor, and we focus on search, social, and conversion solutions for hospitals across the country. And my name is Andrew Rainey. I'm Executive Vice President of uh, Strategy and Corporate Development at Binary Fountain. Uh, We're headquartered in Tyson's Corner in Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., and we do reputation management, um, patient experience analytics, and transparency solutions for healthcare organizations. Wow. Awesome. Gosh. It's impressive. I mean, it's a lot of really, I'll be over here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we uh, say that we bring smart people on our show, we're That's happy right. about that. But I've known a lot of you guys for a number of years, so yeah, maybe, absolutely. maybe that makes me smart. Probably more years than you yeah. wanted yeah. to. Yeah. 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 You're known by the company you keep, right? That's, That's right. right. That's right. That's right. That's why I'm here, hanging out with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, much like uh, both this very conference last year, which was in Austin, and the Healthcare Internet Conference, also in Austin last year, we're recording again live this year with a panel of guests that you just heard from. And so we're going to jump into a couple of topics and have a couple of conversations uh, and then probably argue about some stuff in a little bit. So, uh, Dan, you had a you had a good topic that we I guess kind of uh, briefly talked about yesterday, and thought maybe we could jump in on, um, and that is the Cambridge Analytics piece, right? Yeah. Um, 
the breach, and I think everybody kind of knows what that is, but more so, uh, what does that mean for hospitals and healthcare organizations as far as, um, you know, is that going to impact consumers' perception of how hospitals interact with them online? Is that, is that fair? It is, is, is fair. That? I was writing a blog post about the Cambridge Analytica and Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, thing, mess, whatever it is. And the, lo- the more I got into the blog post as my writing was evolving and I was thinking about it, the more I thought, you know, doesn't this change the way we have to look at digital marketing and healthcare? Because we're not LLB. You know, we're, right. fo- we're targeting people, we're following people, we're gathering data about people, and we're hospitals and health systems. And people don't know we do this. And, and would it change? How, how would they react if they knew or when they know? Because they are eventually going to figure it out. There's going to come a day. And I think there's a potential crisis around it. Um, and so I think we have to, as healthcare marketers, we have to step back and say, okay, what are the limits? You know, where are we going to go? And, and, and acknowledge that we are different than a lot of consumer companies out there like L.L. Bean or because Land's we, End. Yeah, because we, we don't care about those guys, right? Right. Like it's not as intrusive to think that a pair of shoes are going to, or, you know, something from one of those apparel companies is going to follow you around the internet, for example. Um, or we almost expect it, I guess, but healthcare is maybe too personal for that yeah, scenario. It, it's not, it doesn't feel as creepy when somebody else does it. You know, I was just buying shoes and, and I forget what shoe company it was, but they were stalking me on the internet. Every device I went to, right. there was the ad for that particular type of shoes I wanted. But it, it seems to get more creepy when it's about your health. Yeah. When you've been on somebody's website, you've been doing some research about a particular health issue, and then all of a sudden you're getting ads for bariatric surgery or whatever it might be. Right, right. Uh, and I don't uh, know the details, but you know, does, is the consumer able to enable or disable access depending on the industry? Right? My understanding was, take Facebook for example, <coughs> you're, you're either opting in or out of receiving, you know, their ability to take that breadcrumb or to track, uh, track you across that overall journey, but they're not able to say, all right, well, it's okay in the retail model, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's, you know, in you know, right. Bean or whoever, uh, right, yeah. um, but is that, is this a suggestion that that's where this is going to go? Well, I don't know. I mean, so JK, you, you and I, we work together doing some paid search stuff yep. a long time ago. And we were doing like retargeting based yes. on different things. And I remember at one point, Google just blanketly cut us off because mm-hmm. of what we were doing. Talk a little bit about that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah so Google, uh, to their credit, has done a really good job about no retargeting in healthcare, mm-hmm. right? And it, yep. I don't know the exact case, and I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it stemmed from a case where a gentleman was being retargeted cancer ads in his cubicle, hmm. I believe, and um, and gentleman felt it to be an invasion of his privacy, right? He had been researching, he'd been looking, goes to another site, gets retargeted with an ad. Someone in his office may have seen that, created a whole stink and uh yeah brought something to light before he was ready to to tell people correct yeah that's exactly right Mm -hmm. and um and and google really took a stance of okay retargeting across the board Mm -hmm. is done and so uh in terms of sending people back to a particular service line right you can retarget but you have to send people back to the home page of the site you can't you can't send them in back into that particular journey area so it's a touchy subject Right? It, it is, is, you know, and I recently faced something too in my health system. We have a pharmacy service, right? And you could do online pharmacy refills, which mm-hmm. we think is great, right? That's right, a great thing for the consumer. But Google has is cracking down on pharmacy, online pharmacy sites. Mm-hmm. 
they reviewed our ads and wouldn't approve them because we were linking to this page right. that allows us to do online pharmacy right. refills. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, is Google the right proxy to determine, you know, how much we can go into this? Is Facebook, I don't know if anyone trusts Facebook anymore. What are your thoughts, Travis? I think a lot of people trust Facebook. I mean, I did a quick poll at the dinner table last night, mm-hmm. asked how many of you deactivated or got off of Facebook since the breach? <laughs> was it zero? Zero. Yeah. Yeah. zero. Now some people, well, I don't, I don't you know, post as much or whatever. Yeah. That wasn't my question. My question was, did you stop using Facebook? And the answer is no. And it really yeah. didn't have, I don't know what the impact mm-hmm. is. It didn't seem too great in the small sample size that I took. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's probably reflective of the overall population. And yes, there are For some sure. who stopped. But I think it's also, it's very much of a balance. And I agree that if I'm looking up, if I've been diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. I'm a husband, I'm a father, if I'm at home and I'm looking up something about cancer, I definitely would be very disappointed if my children or my wife got on that computer and were being targeted sure. with cancer information. Mm-hmm. That would be very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Sure. For me, right. for my family, and would open up a lot of questions. Sure. And there's some privacy behind that. Mm-hmm. Now, let me counter that a bit with there's also the balance, too, that people, patients, consumers don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. are we potentially helping more people than harming more people by presenting information to them, retargeting, whatever you might mm-hmm. want to call it, about information that they have may mm-hmm. have researched, right? Mm-hmm. I've got a you know, an abnormal mole on my arm. I research that. And then maybe the next day, next week, whatever, all of a sudden I see this, you know, abnormal mole thing, and it might be a reminder to me to go, Maybe I should get that thing. And um, mm-hmm. it's almost so what's right. what is the yeah. balance, right? Is, right? is it potentially helping me to go in and get prevent myself from actually having stage four cancer, mm-hmm. right? If I'm reminded, but it's a total balance and yeah. I, I don't know the answer. And does it lead us to different categories? You know, so with health and wellness information, is that cool? You know, go ahead and target people and be aggressive with that, you know, because that's just good sharing of content that's important to their health and well-being. Right. But when they've self-identified by going to your website and, and researching cancer, right. is that where we start get, to get into the privacy violation? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting you said self-identified. Mm-hmm. They go to your website. They don't, they're not self-identifying. Mm. But, they're but going they, to your website for a resource. I think we're being a little Pollyannish here, too, because, guys... Who does the digital advertising spend? Marketing. Right. Why are they doing it? Patient growth. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. We're in the healthcare business, and we try to, we try to, you know, we're trying to do the right things. Yeah. But marketing is the ones. If Population Health was doing the ad buys, which they won't, but if they did. Right then, then what? Then that might be for wellness to keep mm-hmm. for direction and, and you know and, and help. But marketing's buying these ads, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, uh, so all right. Who gets who gets who, <laughs> who who gets to decide? I think that that's yeah. that's that's where because you know, because right. yeah. now it's like um, okay, we may save someone's life. So okay, well, how many lives do you have to save to offset the <clears throat> privacy you know piece? Like, what's that equation? Sure. Like, who's willing to put their name on that metric, right? Hmm. And then you've got people's personal perception. Like, I, I remember, and I've told this story before, probably on the podcast, but Doug Ullman, that used to be the CEO of Live Strong, he's now at the uh, 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 Pelotonia that's part of the OSU mm-hmm. Cancer Center and all that stuff. 
But he talks about the first time he got cancer, he'd had an email address for like nine months, right? This was like in the mid-90s. He was in college. He was super young. They were like, this is super rare. You know, I'm going to get the number wrong. But it's like, oh, there's 11 people in the country that also have what you have. And he was like, if there was a way to connect those other 11 people, I could care less about the privacy piece. So once the benefit outweighs the privacy, then I no longer care. Well, that's different for everybody, mm-hmm. right? That threshold. Yeah. So there's no way to just say this is how this is going to happen. I, I will say that coming from an organization that used to work on doing advertisements in Facebook, yeah. which I would look at. Google is a bit like if I go and visit a site and all of a sudden shoes are popping up and I'm on some public site, it might be a little bit different than if I'm in my confined environment, which in theory should be password protected and all that, which yeah. it never is because I hit the remember my password. <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And my wife or my kids could get on it, but... You know, we could, and many companies do, targeted ads based on the information Mm -hmm. that is collected, the 300 data points to go. I live in Boston. Well, I live in Charlotte. But I live in Charlotte, and I happen to be looking for some information where I fit a certain profile. Mm -hmm. And maybe it actually is okay for me to get a pop-up of some physician or service line that is applicable to me. You know, a person in their mid-40s, male, et cetera, et cetera, that fits this in my behavior on Facebook. I'm personally, I'm actually okay with that. Um, and I don't think, I agree, it gets a little creepy, but I'm, I'm better with it in Facebook than I am on just some random sites. I agree. I mean, my gut reaction when I heard about the, the Cambridge um, you know, leak was in, I, I, I assumed Facebook was tracking all that information. On that, right? It's like, of course they are. They're, they're of course yes. going to be tracking those, those clicks and everything else and then creating some type of a psychographic profile of who I am and what's, what's relevant. I mean, that's how they're getting consumers to spend hours every day on Facebook because the next video that pops up on that overall stream is relevant to what my interests are and they're not always relevant to the next the last video that it's just another played. another Goldcast so. video. Yeah. Right. I mean, what, what, what was more... <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that, right? is it, do I just I, I follow watch Goldcast. a lot of Goldcast? Yeah, I, I follow them. now it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, creating fictitious accounts and, and you know, yeah. intentionally posting, yeah. you know, false information, that's a whole different story. Like, a whole different story. That I was not aware of. Right. That was, was happening, right? Right. So, but yeah. Facebook is really trying now to uh, to really kind of rein that in. I'm sure you guys have seen that recently, right? They they now have the ability where mm-hmm. you can audit all the different. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm surprised they didn't have it before. But well, Google does this there. now too, right? And Google does it now. It's like too. this five gigabyte you know file right. that you can download where it's everything that they know about you. Yeah. Right. My, my question. <laughs> <laughs> my question would be, how do you? I don't see a platform that's out there, Facebook or Google, that educates consumers slash patients to opt out of something like like what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. If, if I don't want to be in it or if I don't want to be targeted to, how do I easily and quickly opt out of something? Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen I haven't seen an initiative from Facebook or anyone else to say, if you're not interested, no. They're leaving it up to the consumer right. or the user to go into their right. options, into their settings, find it. Quite frankly... I don't. I live in this world, and I don't even go into the options and settings and right. get that granular. So, how does the regular consumer mm-hmm. slash the regular patient say easily 
get themselves out of these types of yeah, and even if it was easy, I don't know how many people would actually do it. Right, right, because right. it's well, not. I've never gone down that path trying to opt out and was not able to figure out where to go. Right. right. In other words, even if it was transparent right there when I log in, I, yeah. I, I just don't think I would. Well, don't you just post on Facebook that you don't give them permission to have your pictures or something? No. That's all. Yeah. yeah, that's it. You have no permission. Yeah, you have no permission. <laughs> like seriously, if someone posts this again. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. This issue to me comes down to the, and, and I, I don't have a solution for this. I'm just, it's just something I'm thinking about. But it comes down to, I'm comfortable going in front of consumers and saying, you know what? We run TV commercials to, to get your business. We run newspaper ads. You know, we do all these different things. We do Facebook, Facebook uh, news stream ads, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think if we went in front of the public and said, oh, we take all your information that we can gather and we take, you know, everything we can learn about your health from your visit to our website and then we target you repeatedly on every device you own after you leave then here would be like, I, don't I think they would be creeped out yes. and so so <laughs> if I can't feel comfortable saying that to people and we do it I mean my company does it but I'm just not yeah. sure it's the right thing right no, I think that's fair, and I don't know that we're ultimately going to get to some sort of conclusion, at least not yet, on some of that. But I think what we are leading into is this idea of, of how patients become patients, mm-hmm. right? And so this is one of those mechanisms that theoretically yeah. leads people down that path, mm-hmm. and is it ethical or not, or the right thing to do? I, you know, I, I'm not sure. But when we think about that, the digital front door is a topic that's come up and that's, you know, I guess ultimately how people find their way to the healthcare system. But I, I don't know what 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 is the digital front door? What's that JK. Mean? Oh, to me? Yes, you. Well, what does that what does I, that mean? I, to you guys? I would look at for us a digital front door is how are hospitals and healthcare systems driving new patient acquisition through particular programs, whether it's search engine marketing or whether it's Facebook or whether it's reputation Mm -hmm. management and creating loyalty it's getting folks in through the door Uh, you may it may start with cancer it may start with cardiology it may start with primary care Um, and 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 getting them through that threshold if you will to become a patient yeah so it's it's the online world and how how people are actually becoming a patient so what is selecting yeah yeah so so kairos what what is that i mean you guys probably have a little different viewpoint of that digital (laughs) front door than just than just pure search or or advertising type components right so i mean what does that mean to you guys yeah uh well first of all i'd say that there's multiple doors yes there's so many doors it's if you do a Google search, uh, whether it's you're searching for a provider by name mm-hmm. or a cardiologist mm-hmm. near me mm-hmm. or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the first door that opens is the 10 million results you get back from Google, right? And it's like there's 10 million doors for you to go in mm-hmm. that you just got back in .0005 seconds and you have to make a decision. 
And then it's the choice of the consumer, but it's also the choice of the health systems, oftentimes to say, how are we going to get to the top so they come through our digital front door? We want them coming through ours because, frankly, and I talk a lot about this, is when you land on Google, I don't care if you're on the first page or the 15th page, like, no, one, no one goes past page one, though, right? Right. No one does. <laughs> I mean, truly, yeah. no, no one even goes down past, past yeah. the first Four, three results. <laughs> but if you see the physician, you've got the health system has you know five stars and five hundred and fifty-five votes for, and then the next result is two stars and two votes, and then there's the WebMD on the bottom, and you're like, I know WebMD. I think I know the health system. I don't know what some of these other are. Like, where do I even go and start with? So from our perspective, what we've seen, a trend is is health systems want to try capturing and honoring the relationship, if you will, between the consumer or patient and the health system. And obviously, they want them coming through their front door and accessing their services, their physicians, whatever it is. Through their website. But I'll, I'll say one thing, too, is the front door, the digital front door, is super important. Mm-hmm. But in healthcare, we're not Amazon. We just released a study that two-thirds of patients still pick up the phone and call into the health sure. system, right? Sure. So, and, and what marketing has historically, just in my experience... It's, hey, oh, you're in the call center? You know, I'm going to handshake you, Dan, the call center, and I'm out. Like, marketing, we're done with our job. Yeah. And that can't be the answer yeah. anymore. Chalk you, that up to a win. That's a yeah, yeah, right, right there. Done. Right. <laughs> but that, that can't be the yeah. answer anymore. And a right. lot of health systems are figuring that out. That right. We can't just shake Dan, the patient access right. guy's hand, and say, it's all up to you. Because you own the experience. Everyone owns yeah. the experience. Right. I like when they call it the experience team instead of the marketing team. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so we did some studies in our market, and we found that 73% of patients selecting care go to the health insurance website before they come to our website. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, uh, well, obviously, I mean, that's one of the top things, right? They're trying to figure out if it's covered by <laughs> Is somebody going to yeah. pay for this? Yeah. 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 Like, and, and that makes a lot of sense from my perspective. So to me, the concept of digital front door extends way past your own digital mm-hmm. front yes. door. It's like being responsible with Google with your search results. It's being responsible with all those reviews. We'll talk about that in a second with you. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, also, you know, understanding where, what their path is and making sure that all of those things align so that they're getting right information to make the best decision whatever that decision may be how many well so my question to you would be the 73 percent which doesn't surprise me what they want to do is they find the provider yeah and then what do they do they probably can't make the appointment Mm -hmm. from the insurance website so guess where they end up Either back at Google, going, Mm -hmm. now where do I go? Or, because now we know this doctor accepts my insurance. And then when they get to your site, then obviously you want to promote the ability to either call or make an appointment online or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you're driving them, there's sort of, it's sort of a dead end at some of those insurance companies. I'm not saying all. But some of yeah. them you no, it but, is. But you have to understand that there's a multiple. There's multiple touch points through. So there's multiple doors. Maybe it's not that the front door is not necessarily the door into the. Maybe they go through the foyer and then they have to go through the hallway. <laughs> oh, there's you know. I mean, there's yeah. like a number oh, of doors. But tell us a little bit from your perspective. Well, yeah, and I mean, a, another clarification is when, when we look at. I, I think we often hear digital front door just in the context of driving new patient acquisition. But the reality is, I think it's also about how can you. 
how do you make make it easy and easy for an existing patient to open up a communication channel with the, yes. with the health system as well? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, with, with binary, I mean we're focused on the, the reviews and ratings, right? right. Um, but that those are all prior experiences, right? Now, of course, you can use those prior experiences if they're positive as a catalyst to drive new patient acquisition, right? Obviously. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Chris, going back to your point, um, that that happened to me. I, I went online. I went to my what's my decision tree when looking for it was looking for a new pediatric um, group for my son. Um, we started first with the insurance, right? So we, we logged in that private portal. Um, we said, all right, here's the area that we are. And obviously it's only looking at what's in network, but those were the top two, right? It was who takes my insurance um, and then who's local. Yeah. And it gave me a, you know, maybe two or 300, you know, different yeah, individual exactly. providers, exactly. 50 of which 50% had, you know, photos, the other did not. Um, and they didn't have any reviews or ratings or anything along those lines. And it's like, well, how am I, what, what is the added information that's actually going to drive me to actually to, to make a selection? And even if that was there, they didn't have the ability for me to do any type of an online schedule, which I, which I think now I should come to expect. Right. Right. So, um, I think it's looking at the the entire journey, and that's what's changed for us. Is when we've looked at, um, you know, journey, there's a lot of discussion here about journey mapping and so on. But you know, the, the patient experience it's it's not just at the point of care. Um, it's you know, the, the the patient experience starts well before I've actually you know stepped foot within that clinic or within that hospital. And it's how can you make a meaningful experience in order to get you there, and then from that experience, how can you learn from that? So that way you're optimizing, maintaining that patient within the system, but using that experience as the next decision factor for the next patient and then make that selection, so. I I think it's all about buying the right Google AdWords, right? (laughs) I would say that it is. (laughs) (laughs) But I I was gonna add on to that. Pass the baton. Um, But I was gonna add on to what you're saying began to give me a thought process around we live in this world where we want it and we want it now, right? With everything. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is no exception, mm-hmm. right? So I was interested to hear you say the percentage was so high because in our experience, uh, when people are Googling, let's say that they're searching and they're searching for a cardiology specialist or an orthopedic specialist, uh, the goal is to get these healthcare systems in the top one to two to three ad positions. And then when people engage, then what? Right? Where do they go? And and you talk about that digital front door. It's when you get them to engage, right? The consumer has taken the time to search, right? We've taken the time to get those hospitals in the top one to two to three ad positions. So when they do engage, when they get to that page, let's say they get to the site, that site needs to be so sticky mm-hmm. that, and the mm-hmm. consumer needs to know exactly what they're supposed to do next. Because... If they're searching for a cardiology specialist, well, what do they want to do? They want to pick up the phone sure. and call, right? So making sure that when they, when you talk about that journey, when they get to the page where they're supposed to, to go, what is the market differentiator for that healthcare system, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah. it more impactful and positive out, uh, outcomes than any other cardiology team in the area, right? Is it better procedures? Is it minimally invasive? Is it uh, faster recovery time? What is it? Right, yeah. uh, and and when we talk about the front door, it's it's not just it's not just satisfying the need for people wanting something and wanting out. It's also quick education, ultimate fast education, yeah. phone number, getting people to call, taking that next step in their journey, and all of that creates 
patient allegiance, brand uh, allegiance as, as well, right? Because mm-hmm. hey, I've had a great I, I've had a great experience from the second that I picked up that phone and called. They accept my insurance. I'm in the door, and it all begins the journey, right? So to speak, right. of that patient. So how how important is pricing transparency? Mm. Oh. Because here, here's so so yeah. I don't know if we have enough time to get through this, but how how does that relate? Because if we're talking about that everybody goes to their insurer right first, then what does it matter what the price is? So let me right. Yeah, th- this topic is it's. It's starting to get hot again, right? It's like a yeah. roller coaster. It, it is because I mean, do we really want to know what stuff costs? Because it, I don't. Does it matter? Because it matter if you have health insurance, it that matters what they kids. have. True. It matters their contracts, right? So, yeah, you're in this weird scenario of like I don't. It doesn't really matter what an MRI costs. Mm-hmm. It matters what my health insurance plan pays. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Travis, what were you going yeah, to so, say? So, like you were going to jump into <laughs> that. This goes back. I mean, this goes back. This may date me a little bit, but being in healthcare for 20 years. But, um, I mean, I'm, I, this is probably 2006, 2007. A very well-known health system in Nebraska, um, and a fairly disruptive CEO and Wayne Sensor came to Allegiant, and he said, "I am." putting pricing up on our website and people in the area across the country are like, what are you talking about? And so he put into place a transparency tool that down to the dollar would tell you based on their charge master, based on the transactions from my insurance plan on how much I've paid towards my deductible, all that to the individual patient. Yes. Wow. I could get that. This is 2007. Wow. Okay, it was eleven years ago. So what happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> Why are we still it's too disruptive? It was just too disruptive, and he's too not disruptive. the CEO at the health system anymore. It it was just so bleeding, cutting, forward thinking wow. edge that it ended up going down after just a couple few years. But, but that's the granularity that I think is needed, right? I mean, it's oh I don't want to go to the site and was, say, hey, for this procedure, here's the range that it's going to potentially cost. Not taking into account, you know, how much I put towards my deductible or my individual plan and so on. But what I want to know is, when I get that bill, what am I going to have to pay? Yes. Right? Absolutely. And with all the different plans out there right now, it's that's very very difficult. It's like it's like uh, a unicorn that I'm trying to go after. I don't know how they is did it back in 2007. Well, I mean, yeah. if you have your own HSA, right? Then you know how much are, do you have to pay? You know, absolutely. I mean, that's you, when it becomes more important. Maybe what we could do is build APIs into their bank accounts. As well yeah. as insurance accounts, because that's what Where consumers you're linking want. Apple <laughs> account with Mint FSA and, accounts, yeah. HRA accounts. Yeah, I like that idea, Andrew. Let's let Apple do it for us. They already Apple know everything. Our, yeah. They already know our banking information. You can link in all of your they, medical records. They can link right? all your medical records. What about that? And then Amazon, because they know how much we can afford. Because <laughs> they know what we buy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this guy will not be able to afford this ever. Guys, we're on to something here. Yeah. <laughs> and the prescription refills just come via drone. <laughs> there you go. But, I mean, back to this guy, though. In the, uh, 2007, he was too, he was disruptive. But yeah. what the consumer didn't find value in that, right? Or did they? I think they did, but clearly not enough for the health system to justify keeping down the path to expand it because it eventually fizzled away. 
Well, and is the data granularity? Yeah. Is the data even relevant because they don't have anything to compare it right. to? None of the other health systems yeah. are doing it. Right. So, well, you know, I've got that, a prize. One, here's one thing that came up is then the competition said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> or, or they said, well, wait a minute. How can we put these? Because then our competition is going to know how much we're charging. And right. that's the thinking, though. I think right. the other question for me would be, let's say it is something like cancer, right? Uh, how do you know how much, how much a breast cancer procedure is going to cost when you have all the other ancillary services that come with it's it. Not got the radi- it's, exactly it's not perfect. It's not perfect. There's radiation therapy. There's, there's all these other add-ons that come on that could go on for months, years, and et cetera, et cetera. But the, but the one-offs like, hey, it's a bariatric surgery? Right. Okay, well, that's, that's it. Heart hip, hip replacement. Hip replacement, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. So. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website. But, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to InfluenceHealth.com. Touchpoint. Touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready? Fight! Let's transition to touch point, touch counterpoint. So this is a uh, favorite part of the show. This is where Chris and I argue weekly. So it's awesome. <laughs> now, usually um, Reed and I face off over a particular topic when we take polar opposites. Okay. Whether we and believe it's no whether, different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whether we actually believe it or not. That's so right. So we, we just polar opposites. Uh, we realize both. now, though, that there's more than you know yeah. two people here. This so. is like sports radio. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, but there is a right answer. <laughs> yeah. So Chris, Chris and I are going to let you guys argue this time around. So we, we may chime in too, I guess. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll let you guys uh, take a swing at okay. this. Okay. So. What's the what's the? What are we I got a topic I've been thinking about here. It's not it's not. Well, yeah, Reed took that away from me. Now, um, so I've, I've been thinking about this digital front door thing, and quite frankly, if done right, the digital front door could be much more effective mm-hmm. than physical front doors. Quite you know honestly, if you think about it. So here's the here's the discussion. Can we eliminate? physical front doors and make digital the primary initial touch point with the health with the health system are you getting rid of the volunteers so what's happening <laughs> i don't want to be part of this if you're getting rid of the big ladies that's the point i mean is digital front door is that going to just take over is it going to be in the future that mm-hmm. digital channels are your your initial touch point with any health system discuss amongst yourselves i'd say yes absolutely 100 percent yeah 
I mean, we're, we're moving towards telemedicine as it is anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So primary care visits are going to be a thing of the past before much longer. Mm-hmm. But what, Travis, when you were speaking earlier, what percentage are still using the telephone to call? Two-thirds. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds. Yeah. But we could turn that into a chat that's bot. trending up, right? You could do a chat bot. You don't need a real person behind yeah. that phone call, right? I just, yeah. went, I just went to Mad Gove's chat bot session at yep. Mount Healthcare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, the results are... Yeah, it's pretty compelling. remarkable. Yep. Yep. So that's a digital front door right there. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need people. He would, he, and he phone. would tell you, yeah. and he tells everyone. At some point, his goal before he ever either gets fired or leaves from people, <laughs> like that, that he his website will be nothing but a chatbot. Yeah. Like that's what he feels. Yeah. That you just get on there, and that is you're just going to ask that question. And well, that's what you'd rather out. have anyway, right? You'd rather just have a conversation with someone. We're having those every day with Google right. Home, with Alexa, yep. with. So, so, is the vision with the chatbot across all different specialties? Yes, so, everything. So you're, but that's the challenge, right? Are you beginning to take out the personal touch, mm-hmm. right? One of the things that Johns Hopkins does so well with their types of cancer programs is identifying with the consumer, right? You've been diagnosed with cancer. Tell me a little bit more about that, Hmm. right? How are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. You create a personal relation. Oh, by the way, here's my personal phone number. You guys are going through a lot. Here's my personal phone number in case you need to get back in contact with me, right? That's a big difference than a chat bot. But I already, but But the primary care and things like that, all about it. But I, cl- I clicked on the ad you ran. Well, that's so the chatbot already knows while I'm there. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> How do you create a script around that? Yeah. And, and the, the way artificial intelligence is expanding, I mean, pretty soon you're going to be able to have that personal relationship and bring in all that other information with something that looks, acts, and talks to you like a human. I yep. think, you know, you're talking about a vision that... That's just crazy because we, we have we're talking about organizations that can't even do social media well. Their, their their idea every new technology that comes along they just use it like they use the old technology. So the example they used to do radio and TV and they just spew content at consumers one way. What did they do with social media? Exact same thing. It's not for having conversations or for listening. It's for spewing crap at consumers. So what do they do now with digital marketing? They spew crap. They don't do the kind of thoughtful, engaging stuff that we're talking about we wish they do so you're going to now trust these people with this new vision come yeah, that's, on man that's, uh, what does that's, the AI make it thoughtful right based well, on that, who that patient is it might be more thoughtful <laughs> uh, yeah and that's Dunlop D-U-N <laughs> email him at chrisboyer.com <laughs> Andrew, what are your thoughts? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of going in that direction. I think it's more of a matter of like how long it's going to take. I mean, we, we talk about chatbots. I think the value there to the consumer is not necessarily that you have an automated system on the back end. I think it's just the accessibility and that it's immediate, right? I'm, 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 having a, I'm engaging into a conversation with either a live talking person that's just behind a computer chatting with me or it's a computer that's chatting with me automatically, right? But have you to, guys to dealt with the chatbots that work for airlines? <laughs> Have you? T- I mean, do you want that in your healthcare experience? <laughs> oh well, my God! Well, there's hey, there's not there's not much other than the safety checklist that I want from the airline industry. I don't think, but well, look, I mean, Dan, you, you, I think you're taking a little bit of an extreme position here. I'm supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get in the spirit of the thing. 
No, but I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, the way it is today, I'm not saying today we could turn that on and it would work, but... I'm saying never. And you're saying never? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can really envision it. I mean, honestly, I don't need to talk to that, you know, that person that's been working in the call center for 13 years and doesn't really know. They don't even know the personal doctor that you're trying to book an appointment with. Right. Yeah. Right? They, how would they know? I mean, mm-hmm. you, can, you could get a chatbot, hook it up to like Google's algorithms and Facebook's mm-hmm. algorithms and know much more about that person that's calling in than anybody, a human could. And by the way, you could do it at three in the morning. You could do it anywhere you are that you have an internet mm-hmm. connection. doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Are you assuming you have to type back to the chatbot or can you talk back to the chatbot? Well, you could talk oh, to you it. You'll have to well, talk. Well, what's the I mean, stat that 50% of all searches are going to be, you know, or, or 50% of all searches will be voice enabled by 2020? Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like that. Right now, it's one in five. It's wild. Yeah, I trust Matt Gove to do it. <laughs> and Matt <laughs> trust. Most hospitals don't have a CRM. They don't have sales automation. Yeah. We're, we're, we need to crawl before we walk. You know. But there's, it depends on where you start, right? I mean, take like an urgent care setting. Like I could say, hey Alexa, tell, show me a you know. No doubt. What's the most immediate, you know, urgent care group I can get into with four stars or above, right? That's that's close by because it knows where I am, right? And say, right. hey, mm-hmm. go here. I'm going to send the and directions the way, to your phone. And by the way, save my spot in line. Right. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Check me out. Right. Yeah. Because those reviews are accurate. Yeah. And then you wait for it. Yes, they are accurate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another Alexa, topic. Another all, topic. Alexa, read all 555 <laughs> comments. <Yeah. laughs> well, he was a real jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Awesome. That's awesome. great. All right. That was a good argument. I really appreciate it. Dan, you brought a really good Yeah, you did. I tried to play the part. Yeah. You're going to come out of your seat. No, that was, that was <laughs> great. Well, Thank you all for being here. Before we get out of here, we do want to do recommendations okay. and questions. So if we've got any questions Anyone from the... Anyone in our uh, illustrious audience have any questions? It's that they huge. Might Let's grab a mic and ask someone. Yeah. <laughs> Let's throw that box around. <laughs> one at a time, please. <laughs> yes. Going back to your stat of the 73%, uh-huh. is that a specific specialty? Because... I'm assuming the 73%, they were under the expectation that their insurance would play. So are your digital front doors different in specialties that the consumer is assuming that their insurance is paying or for self-pay, like cosmetic surgery, fertility, and those specialties? And like, how do you craft that experience differently when they're under the expectation a third party's paying? Mm-hmm. Well, the answer to that question is, I don't know. Okay. The data was not that well identified. I mean, it's it's a nice stat that I can throw around at conferences, but I mean, honestly, I don't know the detail behind it. But um, no, no, you weren't no. supposed to ask him. No, no, no. If I'm self-paying, I have that expectation. I want to book an appointment now. Mm-hmm. But if my insurance is paying for it, maybe I'll wait a little bit. So mm-hmm. how do you craft those specialties around it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that it, what it did is it inspired me to actually want to understand the journey a little bit better and start to map that journey out for those particular segments of the journey. Because quite honestly, it's not one journey that the, you know, that the consumer takes, right? They go many different ways. Another question? Uh, yeah, so I have a question about uh, you know, the digital uh, front door. You know, do you think we'll ever get to a point where you're going to be presented as a patient options where you go, well, you could go the telehealth route and it's this much and you could go to the foreign route and it'd be this much and, or you can come to the traditional route, which is this much. Are we, are we ever going to see that or is it just going to be, no, it's always going to come into my, my four walls. Love that. 
Yes, it will go down that path where you'll be provided options. I think it kind of goes back to the pricing transparency. I mean, you might actually make decisions, which, by the way, we make every day on Amazon Mm -hmm. and any other retail site we visit. Because we we trust the reviews, Chris. Right. We trust the (laughs) reviews. We know the price. And we're potentially maybe sacrificing a little bit of quality Mm. to save a little bit of money, which I think is true for our lives. I mean, we might not. So we might say, uh, you know what, I'm just going to do an over-the-phone visit, which mm-hmm. may not be as high-quality, high-touch, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but I'm okay with that because today I'm slammed. I have no time to drive 20 minutes, and it's cheaper. It's $49, and you know it. I, yeah, and, actually, and I know I have the flu. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and you don't want me coming to your yeah. office anyway. Right. It's informed, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's informed optionality for the consumer, which I think they come to expect in just about any other industry, right? Why not healthcare? Mm-hmm. Well, we already see it in imaging, right? So you can go get the MRI in the strip center, and it's $299, but you're out of pocket through your insurer, maybe yeah. $600. Yeah. And it's like, well, is this any different? I mean, right. we're still getting the same film. Like, what's what's, what's yeah, the difference what's the here? Catch, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if your doc says, yeah, I, whatever, uh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, then you know, I think you can shop some of that stuff a little bit, a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Well, except for Dan. Yeah, he has to go in person, <laughs> wherever he's at. <laughs> no, I love I love virtual care. I do, but I'm not dealing with a bot. I'm dealing with a doctor on the other end of the phone. A doctor yeah, who may doctor. not be wearing pants. As far as you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm All this time, it's been a robot, yeah. I'm hoping he's wearing pants. <laughs> you, know, you never know. You don't. You never know. All right, well, let's, let's, uh, let's do some uh, recommendations. That's how we always wrap up every episode, so... Uh, Andrew, we'll start with wow, you. Start with me. I was hoping I'd go last. Um, <laughs> Well, you, you, we, it has to. Well, no, no, it's fine. I mean, it's okay. it's it's already happening, right? Um, it'll be along the the, the lines of reviews. If you're looking for like I found these things hilarious. Rob Bergfeld over at Anobi, he's not here unfortunately, but um, he brought this to my attention. If you're looking for some, you know, some if you've got some time to kill, you want to go see some really funny reviews. Go to Amazon and take a look at the actual comments about a consumer's experience with the banana slicer on Amazon. It's essentially 20 million trolls have all targeted this specific product and have oh, written the most slicer. ridiculous slicer. fictitious reviews about this product you've ever seen. It's hilarious. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't even know there was a banana slicer. Well, yeah, there because there shouldn't be, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that is spectacular. That's a good one. I like that. All right, let's jump over to JK. Okay. Recommendations. Uh, I guess uh, as it relates to Search and social, know your audience, know your patient base, know what you're trying to do in order to try to get people to that front door, um, and uh, track and measure. Wow, that's yeah, a highbrow that's recommendation. That's right. From banana slicing <laughs> to understanding yes. your customer. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. Jeez. Travis, how are you going to live up to that one? I'm, I'm going binge TV watching. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. Can, most of us can relate to that. There are some yes. that may not be able to. So my binge TV watching recommendation, speaking of Amazon, is an Amazon Prime uh, original, which is Sneaky Pete. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. I've heard of it. Sneaky I haven't watched Pete. season two yet. Season, season one was great. Season two is way better than season one. Okay. So buckle up for season two. Yeah. It's good. Very good. It's good. Yeah. You've seen it? I have. Yeah. Good. Wow. Absolutely. Good. Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. That's you have to be an Amazon Prime member. Yeah. Which everyone is. And it costs you 20. How much? Uh, yeah. What, one, 119 now. 119. Yeah. 20% jump. Yeah. Well, 
Totally worth it. Yeah. Oh, why a no-brainer. <laughs> and speaking of Sneaky Pete, Dan. Yeah, and, and while, while you're binge-watching, thank you, Andrew, yes. you need a cold beer in your hand. Of course. course. And um, I love Asheville, North Carolina, all the great breweries up wow. there. Uh-huh. And uh, Wicked Weed is my favorite, even though it's been very controversial because they were purchased by a great big brewer, international company. So the, all the local brewers hate that when that happens. But Wicked Weed no, is my favorite jealous. brewery there. They are jealous. They're I mean, jealous. why do you grow the business if not to sell it and get rich someday? Like you know. Yeah. So um, my favorite Wicked Weed beer and my cat Nemo's favorite Wicked Weed beer is Pernicious. Yes. Your cats? He loves my cat Nemo. Loves beer, okay. and he will. I mean, he's discerning though. He'll only lick certain beer. <laughs> Off of my finger, and he loves IPAs generally, but Pernicious is his absolute favorite. I mean, he will keep coming back for more Pernicious. <laughs> so I recommend you try Pernicious. I will, as a guy who lives in North Carolina, I will second that. Yeah, hundred percent Pernicious from mm. Wicked Weed. Wow, I just think of all the audio drops that we can do of Dan saying that he recommends Wicked Weed. <laughs> and, and, and it would be fair. <laughs> okay, my recommendation is uh, okay. So it's I, I came across this through an Instagram ad. This product. Oh boy, I know. <laughs> I, I'm if you ever go to my office, I love whiteboards. I'm a whiteboard guy. I have a whiteboard in my home office, my my work office. I have three whiteboards on the walls. I love whiteboards. That's, I guess that's where I do my ideations on boards with pens. Anyway, this company called Blix, they put together these wall murals. You know the sticker wall stuff that you can stick up on the wall and you can remove them and put them back mm-hmm, up? Mm-hmm. They have those that are whiteboard wall stickers. So you could put them up anywhere you're at, put up your whiteboard, whiteboard way, Pull them down, wrap them up, take it with you. It's like a whiteboard to go. Portable whiteboard. <laughs> Portable wow. whiteboards. Blicks. Blicks. B L I X. And if you call in right now, we'll give yeah. you two blicks for twelve bucks. Yeah. Does it made it to Shark Tank? Uh, I don't know. That it is should. great. That is uh, great. Reed, you're up. All right, I'm going to recommend an app. It's called Rally Road. It's not a video game. Has anybody <laughs> heard of this Rally Road? Rally All right, Road. so. Uh, I like cars, and so what this is, think about investing, but in classic automobiles. So you can log into this app and actually buy shares of exotic cars. And you can buy and sell them just like you would stocks. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Have you yeah. you've used it? You've invested into I've, some I've of these cars? I've just signed up for it. And currently, the only car available is a 55 Porsche 356 Speedster. And it's got a market value of $425,000, and you can buy a share for $212.50. It's about half-funded currently. So all their other ones are funded to this point. And, uh, yeah, so you can buy and sell shares of cars. So you can say you own... A Lamborghini. 55 Porsche. Yeah. yeah. It'd be awesome. It's, yeah. It smacks of like yeah. the Bitcoin for antique yeah. cars or something. Since I recommended a financial product, I'm not sure if it's like read a disclaimer or something <laughs> yeah. at this point or, or how that works, but we'll just, you know, take that as you will. But Can I just make a clarification? Yes. On yours? Yes. It's Blick. 
Oh, it's Blick? Oh, oh I apologize. Oh, I no. just had to you spell it because Google told me. I can't believe what Google told me. B-L-I-K? B-L-I-K. Okay. Oh. I knew it was something like that. What are these five Blicks that I just ordered? Up? <laughs> <laughs> Blicks are smoothies. Chris, you owe me a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Real food at the touch of a button. So. Invested in a car. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Well, awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for, for spending a little bit of time with us. And... Uh, I'm sure we'll all have conversations around these topics <laughs> in the future. But uh, for Chris, Dan, Travis, JK, Reed, and Andrew, thanks, and we'll see you again next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.